physics is like I, I hated physics in, in high school when I had to take it. We had to build a boat and go across the school pool. I went straight to the bottom. Right. So <laughs> any other. <laughs> so I'm not exactly what one would call physically inclined. Yeah. <laughs> See what I did there. But Welcome to the What's Our Verdict Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. Yeah, we appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead, hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification button. Um, tell a friend about us. Tell your family about us. Tell a physicist about us. Uh, and a, if it's a quantum physicist, even better. Like, Yeah, or yeah. theoretical. Theoretical uh, quantum physicist. Jeez. <laughs> Telling you now we're getting deep. That's no, they may not want to listen to us. I'm just like these fucking morons. <laughs> those guys are too smart. So yeah, we appreciate it. Go ahead, hit those buttons. We have new episodes coming out every Monday, plus some additional stuff. We do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, plus we have a Patreon, so go check that out. Just what's our verdict? We're here to talk today about Oppenheimer. It was released July 21st. 2023 it was written by christopher nolan and kai bird directed by christopher nolan stars killian murphy emily blunt matt damon robert downey jr alden Heinrich, scott grimes jason clark (laughs) (laughs) tony goldwyn james darcy kenneth branagh Okay, I'm done. Um, and a list, lot of other people. Yeah, the list goes on and on and on and on. Th- this movie, yeah, I mean, that's our first topic, so we'll just jump into it. Like, the cast for this is ridiculous. So it, is this a Nolan thing where he reuses people? Because I was sitting there and I was going, Interstellar, Batman. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, Nolan has been known to to reuse. I mean, he'll usually bring in some new people. I mean, that's I think part of the reason, in my opinion, this cast list is so big is because he's working with the sheer volume of movie like stars now that he's been, you know, working with. But like, yeah, he does tend to bring in a lot of the same people for his movies. Like, uh, oh god, who makes the little appearance in the end, in the end as the president? Um, Gary Oldman playing yeah. Truman, like because Gary Oldman's been in a few for him. Like he's yeah, he's got some, and but that's a lot of like a lot of actors. The directors have their picks that they want to go with, and and it makes sense. I mean, he's worked with Killian Murphy a lot, so yeah. But I mean, yeah, this cast is outrageous because it just oh, never ends. Like phenomenal. There's people everywhere every new scene there's someone new popping up yeah um even to the point of who was the guy who played uh little weasel borden uh oh, dustin yeah. dalmatian or something like that uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, he's a pretty big name and he yeah. had two minutes of screen time <laughs> yeah and he only spoke like twice like yeah. maybe three times but i think like and here's a weird piece of it is is the cast list and I'll be honest, I'm sure this is a me thing, but I was kind of distracted at times too, because especially in Los Alamos, like when we were in the new, like the New Mexico facility and they're working on the bomb, like it's such a struggle for me because we'd be, we'd have our main cast, right? And the people that you're familiar with, they're very involved, but then you'd have a Jack Quaid in the background who had like two lines the whole movie, but I know his face. And so I'd see him, like, Hey, it's Jack Quaid. Look at that. You know what I mean? And, and I'm, and again, this is a me problem because of maybe it's more than me. Maybe there's people that can relate to this, but I'm such a movie guy that I know faces. And I know even some of the lesser, maybe lesser known actors that are borderline a list or were previously a list. And they've kind of cooled off a little. I see them and I'm like, Oh shit, that's so-and-so. Oh shit, look at that. And it it got to the point that after three hours of new characters popping up left and right with major actors, I was like, Jesus, I'm getting whiplash. 
Like, just give me some normal C-list actors I've never seen before. All right. Christ. So, but, I mean, it is what it is, right? And to to the credit of Christopher Nolan and the ability to get these actors to come play. And I also think there's something to be said for this cast, too, because it is a serious movie and it is a serious topic. And you do run a risk by bringing in an unknown that's much, 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 much cheaper that even if they have three lines, those lines may not be delivered very well, right? And in this movie, I think that's one of those give and takes that you have to think about. Something of this magnitude and scale and scope, if you don't have an actor to deliver three lines during basically what is, as they call a kangaroo court trial, where there's already a determined outcome, there's a goal to this you know, inquisition that's happening, if he doesn't deliver his three lines correctly, now all the weight of this room is gone, right? So I get it, but it did get a little distracting to me because I'm like, oh, fuck, look at him. Look at all these cats. Look, it's like, oh, there's Rami Malik talking for five minutes. This is like, Jesus Christ, they're everywhere. Christmas. Yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's freaking Adam Kroger. I don't know what the hell to do. Like, it was just. It's cold. Casey Affleck. Yeah, seriously, there's Casey, <laughs> Casey Affleck. He's got six lines, and then we don't see his ass ever again. It, it's just insane the amount of people that are in this movie that are not even just, like, A-listers. I think I counted up. There's, like, at least eight Oscar-winning actors in this film, and some of them are in it for a minute and a half, and they're done, right? In a three-hour movie, they're in it for a minute and a half, and they're done. So the cast is outrageous, and it paid off, I think, to a degree, right? Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree that it paid off, but it was still a little distracting. I'm not nearly to the level you are, but the one that got me was Remy Malek Mm -hmm. and then Casey Affleck. Yeah. Because you hear Casey Affleck's voice. Before you see him, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to see his face for a little bit. I was like, oh, okay, here's some intrigue. He plays a kind of a what seems to be an important character in this kind of McCarthyism era witch hunt. Yeah. Um, but no, <laughs> you never see him after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, you have like this main core group of cast. Uh, which is, you know, the Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, uh, Killian Murphy kind of centered around them. But then everybody else you see, it was almost like there were no extras in this film because everybody yeah. else you see is a name face actor who stars in something else or has starred in something else. Um, and so it it got to be a little bit distracting um, because it's like, oh, I know I know them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know them too. <laughs> I mean, even to the point of Josh Hartnett showing up and playing a minor role it's like it took me a while i was like i know him i don't i don't know who he is but i know him Um, and it hit me about halfway through the movie but that takes away from almost the viewing experience because it's always going in the back of my head i'm like who is this lawrence guy i I know i know him but i can't put a name to him and then it came to me and i was like oh that is and so then i could get back into the movie but for, you know, that that period of time or whatever, I was going, OK, 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 who is it? Uh, go through everything. <laughs> yep. Yep. Pearl Harbor. Oh, it's <laughs> there it is. You got it. Yeah, it was. Well, and they made him look a little different. Right. Like, he right. Had a little fill out. and Yeah, it was. But I think the crazy thing is, and the one reason that I may watch this movie again, and there's reasons why I won't, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but. The main reason that I would is because I have a theory that I was formulating as I was driving home and contemplating my life after watching this movie um, that I don't think that there was a line spoken by someone that wasn't a known actor in this movie. Like I, and, that, and that's why I say like the whole delivering a line, they didn't bring anyone that is an unknown or may screw it up. If there was a line spoken, it is it was a and they may not be an A-list, but there's someone that if you look at them, you're like, I have seen them in movies and major television before. Right. Because there was like even like the at the end or near the end when they're in like the Senate hearings and stuff like you have the one of the senators was Ted King and you had another one that was Harry Groner. And again, they're not huge 
outrageous actors, but they're like in a lot of stuff, like hundreds of credits. Like if you look at at uh, um, Harry Groner, I think he's got like 102 credits, acting credits to his name, plus some producing credits and some writing credits. So, I mean, it's the guy's been in a lot. And you look at him like, I know that face. I may not know where I know it from, but I know it. And if I were thinking back, I don't think there's a line delivered in this movie that doesn't have a face to it that you're like, no, you may not know right off. You may not be able to name them. Like I've seen that person before. So now that I'm kind of like thinking back, I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah. And it's ballsy, right? Like that's, that takes a lot of, cause the other thing you have to look at is, I guess you don't have to, but here's one of the other things to think about. So, Movies when they're cat when they have a their credits right so when you look at for example you go to IMDb and you look at the out the cast list they break it down in a couple of ways and when it's a large cast they'll do speaking cast and then they do all other cast alphabetically listed so if they have a if they're on the screen big enough to not be considered an extra they go in that other cast big enough that because their faces in shots or their movement and they're in the, or they're in there a couple of times, just the speaking cast. So the first part of the list is like outrageously long. And, and every one of them, as I'm going down, I'm like, I recognize a lot of these faces and names that's, I got on and I'm just like, Oh my God, this, yeah, it's crazy. So kudos. I mean, it's an interesting take, but yeah, very distracting to me. So yeah interesting now mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to watch it again thanks i know i'm sorry you're the worst <laughs> yep <laughs> um so like the content of this right so we see uh which i think was really cool telling the story of uh you know physicist and the kind of cinematic shots mm-hmm. of what was going on in his brain mm-hmm. was really cool kind of distracting a bit annoying because i was like i really don't understand how this thought process is going, but through Oppenheimer's brain was really cool. But I can't get over the fact that uh, physics drives me nuts, JJ. (laughs) And it's, it stems from the fact that like physicists seem to have all the answers, Mm. right? They know exactly what's happening. They, they can, uh, you know, predict events or tell you exactly how everything was made all through physics. Physics is perfect. But you mentioned the fact that, you know, a bumblebee can fly despite the fact that physics says it can't and they get so fucking upset. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so it drives me nuts when I see this is like, uh, you know, oh, theoretical physicist or, you know, we're going through all this experimental stuff. This is how we discover everything. And I'm like, your science is inherently flawed <laughs> <laughs> because nature gave you the double pump flip the bird. And your your response is to ignore that and say it's, say it's still the right answer. Yeah. Like physics is I, I hated physics in, in high school when I had to take it. We had to build a boat and go across the school pool. I went straight to the bottom. Right. So <laughs> any other. <laughs> so I'm not exactly what one would call physically inclined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See what I did there. But. Funny. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think it's just almost silly, right? That we have this entire science that, you know, will say, oh, this is how the universe was created. We can get down to the very nitty gritty details. And I'm like, well, are you actually getting anywhere? Or are you just making shit up? Because that bumblebee over there is saying, fuck you. And <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I, and is, is the are these laws of physics that they say see as binding actually inhibiting you know science or knowledge to go anywhere because they're like oh no that's a law of physics we can't do that and mr bumblebee over there is going fuck you i'd do it anyway <laughs> that's right like so it's it's an odd science from yeah. my point of view uh, look I think science is odd anyway, period, because I'm dumb. And I, so I don't like, 
like it was funny like i learned some shit watching this movie like when they're talking about black holes like when they i didn't know that the whole idea was when it burns out like the gravity starts to win the battle right between the burning and the fire and then gravity's pulling it towards itself but then the fire's like outreaching it and then when the gravity starts to win that's when a star starts to die and the pressure builds and the pressure builds i didn't know that shit so I was like, oh, that's a great way to explain that. Like, I've never heard that before, but I don't care because I don't give a shit about that because I know that. And it's not because it's not cool shit. It's not that it's not important things to know, but I am too stupid. And I know this about myself. I am not smart enough for that shit to be important to me because by the five minutes in, when they start talking science in this movie, I'm like fucking tuned out because I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I, but I did laugh at the fact, like, I'm with you in that I think one thing about scientists, and I have a couple of them in my life, and I mean, I literally have a family member that works in a lab. That's what they do is they, they run tests and they do science all fucking day. And I laughed at a moment when they first come in and they tell Oppenheimer that somebody had split the atom. And he's like, that's impossible. The math doesn't add up. And he's like, pissed like and he goes over and starts doing this big giant math problem on the board he's like see it doesn't work it can't happen like yeah but it did and we just recreated it over go next door (laughs) yeah and i was like that's so and to me that's like science the issues that i've had like scientists are always like because in my mind you hear two sides of science and and i laugh because they kind of point out there's a theoretical and then there's the actual what we've done but they both have this tendency at least in my experience, to be like, well, we know what's happening. We're smart. We figured it out. This is how it is. But science is constantly finding out new shit, right? Like, And they can't figure their own shit out. I mean, Pluto's been a planet and not a planet at least seven times in my life. So it's like, what Smoking is good for expecting mothers. Right? Like, <laughs> the science says so. Yeah. Just kidding. We messed up. We fucked up big time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and then it's like, well, there's no way that life exists anywhere else. But then we get the government saying that there's fucking <laughs> aliens over the last two days. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, I don't. It's such bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the part that I'm like, wow. But yeah, physics. Like, dude, I didn't even. You say physics in high school, dude? I barely got out of freaking algebra. Like, I, there's no way. I algebra and chemistry is as far as I got. And then I found ways around it. I went to dummy math my senior year in high school. I was like, I suck at this. I don't want They put me in calculus one and I'm like, uh-uh. I was like, I can't do this math. I'm going to fail this class. And if I fail and don't graduate, I'm going to be pissed. So they sent me down to like basic level math. I was like, now this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is perfect. Two and two is five. I belong exactly. here. <laughs> I know these people. These are my friends. And then like, I went from chemistry and they wanted to send me to like, it wasn't physics, but it was whatever, some other level of science that was above chemistry and chemistry. I barely got through chemistry. Like, and I worked my ass off to pass these classes because everything else in my life, I never had to study. I would just go in and take tests, science and math and science because it had so much goddamn math. (laughs) Math was my, is my real problem science is so attached to math that I'm like, fuck them both. I can't do it. So I, I watch a movie like this and every time they start yip yapping about scientific bullshit, I'm like, well, you just blow something up already. I don't fucking know what you're talking about. Right. So yeah, physics is dumb. Well, it's even funny too. Cause that was kind of the running joke throughout the movie was Killian Murphy's math sucked. Yeah. Like he was terrible at math. Yeah. <laughs> He was a point teller. Those two, you do the math because yours is better than mine. Well, and then even Einstein. I mean, this is fucking Einstein, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, me and you, my that's one." Place the one thing we have in common, <laughs> my math sucks. So I'm like, "Hold on, like <laughs> this is fucking Einstein. Like his math is what people base smart shit on." And I'm like, "Fuck, if you guys are bad at math, like, <laughs> like how much did you two fuck up?" <laughs> that we just take for granted (laughs) if your math is bad i've never done math in my life i've only done math like m-a-f-f math i've never done math because fuck yeah so i mean that it's one of those movies you're sitting there going i'm stupid like yeah 
and you got that many geniuses in one place. I'm like, fuck you. I, there's no fucking. It'd be like, build a bomb. I'd be like, you got any gas? I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I love it. Um, okay. So I, I'm going to call this topic the power of Nolan. I love it. It's double-sided, though. Okay, there's two okay. sides of this piece. We've already talked about the cast. That's one aspect of the power of Nolan. Like Christopher Nolan right now, it doesn't matter what he does. He pulls cast. Like ever since he's done, and he's done some great movies. Don't get me wrong. Like some of the best movies of our time have probably been Christopher Nolan involved, right? Depending on how much, like what you like. But on the flip side of the power of Nolan, you get a movie like this too, where I'm three hours in going, Jesus, fuck. This movie is still playing. And then there's like, Nolan, there's no in between with Christopher Nolan movies. It is balls to the wall or extremely subtle, right? And this movie to me is like so balls to the wall the whole time. One of the things that I was going to talk about is like, Nolan going out extreme is the sound in this movie. Like sometimes it worked really well. Like you're like, okay. Like when you were talking about like the scenes of like the, the atoms and the fire molecules and things like popping off and making noise. And that shit was really cool. But then there were spots where like, it would go really quiet. And I felt like I was watching a horror movie because the whole fucking theater jumped at least a dozen times. So I'm sure you shit yourself at least a couple of times. Cause like, and there was, yeah, there was one really bad at the near the end of the movie where he's in the trial. And we just got done with these dueling uh, nastiness. We see Robert Downey Jr.'s character losing his shit at the the lawyer, the the whatever the kid, Heinrich Han Solo, yeah. <laughs> guy. Han Solo. And then you have the lawyer that's going off on Oppenheimer. And they're kind of bouncing back and forth. And then Oppenheimer kind of loses it a little bit. And everything goes really quiet. And then there's this, like, crash, like, noise of, like, somebody slamming the desk or something. Dude, I peed a little. It was so jarring. But he did it so many times in this movie to where it was, like, weird noises. Super loud. Really quiet. Super loud. Then I'm like, I get what you're trying to do. You're Especially when it came to the Oppenheimer character everything was super loud to him or it was super quiet. And so I get that, but I think it was overplayed. And I think that's one of the dangerous things with Nolan is the guy knows how to do interesting things in film, but I believe his head's got, I think he's so popular that he, people will let him do whatever he wants. And I'm going to talk more about this as we get to the next topic, but they don't, it's it's like the question of at Jurassic Park, right? They wondered so much if they could do it. They didn't stop and think if they should. He is so good at things like that, that he just does them and people let him because it works. And we love majority of his movies. And so he gets away with it. But by the end of this movie, I was like, if he goes super quiet and super loud one more time, I'm going to lose my shit because <laughs> it's, it's not doing anything for me anymore now it's just like jarring and it's uncomfortable and i'm like okay i get it the guy's got fucking crazy brain because he's so smart and he's taking on so much on himself that he's either trying to find the quiet or he's lost in a tailspin in quiet or everything around him is so loud that he can't think straight and i'm like i get what you're saying but don't do it every 10 minutes for three hours it, it deludes the point in my opinion but I like it because uh, I, I kind of agree in the sense that he's got the kind of green light when it comes to sound because he did Interstellar. Right. Yeah. And that plays really well with the sound and the balance and how you have, you know, like super, super quiet. And then the next it goes and uh, just rockets off. Yeah. So it's great. And he's done that throughout, like even Inception had it and mm -hmm. uh, even the Batman trilogy that he did. Mm -hmm. The same thing. His sound is one of his big, big points. Um, but yeah, I was, I about lost it several times because I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you're doing it that frequently, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. 
uh, to the point where I was like in the quieter moments. I mean, I was tense because I was like, when is it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Yeah. When's it going to happen? Uh, but at the same time, it like a couple of times. Great. And pick your spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you said like the back and forth in that last little bit, I was like, OK, now it's just being overplayed. Yeah. Um, to the point where stop it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was sitting next to this older lady. And I say older and I'm not trying to be, but she was old. And I, I was like, you're going to, Christopher Nolan's going to fucking you're gonna kill her. Die. <laughs> she jumped like we're in the recliners and she's all kicked back with her blanket. And I was like, fuck, she's, if I had a blanket on, I'd fall asleep right now. But she's like kicked back and comfy. Her husband's next to her, old guy. And I swear to God, there was like halfway through the movie when it got really ramped up. And there was like the, especially that one at the end that I was talking about in the courtroom thing. That one hit so hard that I jumped. She came out of her chair. I swear to God. Like I was like, she's going to die. <laughs> and I was, and it was unnecessary. And I, I think that's the worst part is when it first happened, the first couple of times it happened, I was like, I like this because I'm getting to feel that kind of how the sound is Im- impacting him, like in how he's feeling. But then it got to the point where it was like, it was just overdone by the end of the movie. And I'm like, oh, I just can't do it. Stop it. Yeah, just stop it. But I swear, I thought he was going to kill the lady next to me. But the whole theater jumped. Like, you, it's like I was watching a horror movie. Like, people were jumping all over the place because of that shit. So, it was interesting. Um, and Nolan's not the only one that suffers from this power of whoever. Scorsese's another one. Like, And I always start to go, uh-oh, when we get someone that's got the balls to put a three-hour movie in a theater. Because, look, I love movies. I will see, we've seen a lot of long movies. Three hours is hard. I don't care how good your movie is. Three hours. It's a rough go. You feel it. Like, there's no, it's not like you're like, oh yeah, three hours is good. I mean, even Tenet was two and a half. This movie is a solid three hours long. And at two and a half hours, I was like, this is fucking three hours long. I was hurting. And I, you know, I didn't pee. I didn't need it. I was because I was like, I don't want to miss anything. It was long. Like the first two hours and 15 minutes of this movie felt like 20 minutes. Yeah. It went by incredibly fast. It had a good pacing, but it also, you know, didn't lag or slow down anywhere. It was very well put together. Yeah. The last 45 minutes of this felt like all three fucking hours. Man. <laughs> to the point where I was, you know, because, you know, nice movie seats now with the recliner and everything. Like oh, my yeah. legs were popping off the footrest and scratching <laughs> my knee and popping yeah. back up on the footrest and kind of seeing if I could sneak a peek at my phone real quick and see who had been texting me throughout the movie. Yep. Because I was like ready for it to wrap up. And it just kept going and going. And oh. going. and I was sitting there. I was like, you know, I, I was almost like, we, we need to cut this somewhere. And so I was thinking about it. And there's a lot that you could cut. Yes. Um, to put it on the cutting room floor, you still don't lose a whole lot from it. Mm-mm. Like, and, you know, I can't believe the words are coming out of my mouth. But the whole kind of like side story with Florence Pugh. Didn't necessarily need it. Nope. I mean, love a good nudity in a film, but. Yeah. I was I was sitting there going, I was like, you could have cut all of that and made it about 20 minutes shorter. Yep. Because we get the idea that, you know, uh, Oppenheimer's a womanizer from the fact that he met his wife when she was married to another dude. Yeah. And <laughs> like, was like blatant about it. Like, Yeah. Like, we don't need all this kind of extra. Oh, yeah. He's a bit of a dirtbag. We get that from just a few interactions. And it's one of those do less with more. Yeah. Um, or do more with less, whatever it is, something along those lines, one of those two things. But I was like, there's 20 minutes you could cut down. Now it's two hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a big chunk of extra stuff that we didn't really need. Yeah. Um, throughout the entire film. So I was thinking about, I was like, there's, there's places you could cut down easily on it uh, mm-hmm. to make it a more concise, streamlined movie. Um, and easier to show in school 
because this is one of those that I was like, this would be a great movie for school. And then I was yeah. like, oh, nope, never mind. <laughs> Dems the titties. I was like, oh, yep, yeah, okay. It's going to be like a, you know, a worse Schindler's list in the sense of trying to get a parent to sign off on a permission slip. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of three hour movies. <laughs> oh boy well that's you know i'm with you and you know what's funny is i thought the first thing too like look i love florence Pugh, but she added nothing to this film in my opinion and i'll be honest like here to take it even a step further with her specific character in that storyline like i get what they were trying to do with it it was another brick on him blaming himself for someone else's demise but the scene that i was like when he's in being tried and his wife's sitting there staring at him and I'm like, that feels that's weird. weird. (laughs) And I was, and then on top of it, like the whole idea behind that was so that it showed Kitty getting pissed at him. And then you're worried she's not going to testify in a positive way for him. But I'm like, I, by the time it got to her testifying, I was like, I forgot she was even mad at him because the important part is this dichotomy of Robert Downey Jr.'s character versus oppenheimer and who is gonna win in their separate battles right and even not in that moment because we know neither of them are going to win in that moment if you know anything about history but we know that oppenheimer will later because people will understand that yes it was a dangerous and terrible achievement but it was still an achievement and it it created all sorts of opportunity throughout the world because of his ability because he made this deadly weapon right but it's that's her story added no value her story could have been two minutes long right you find her they have that first sex scene and then she uh, they meet again which was a 30 second clip and then she dies and that's it but instead it was like you said it was 20 minutes of film that i'm like Oh, and it, but it was the only running joke in the film too, because he kept bringing her flowers even though she yeah, yeah she tossed the trash. Like, Jesus, but it, yeah, I'm with you. That was unnecessary completely, and it also was weird because like it was like a moment where it almost they tried to like hint that she was murdered. Yeah, because there was a glove on. Yeah, her. there was a hand pushing yeah. her in the back, and I was like, so was she murdered? Because so then I was distracted because I'm like. Did she kill herself or was she murdered? Yeah. Because I don't know anymore. And now I'm not thinking about this movie. I'm thinking about whether Florence Pugh's character was murdered. <laughs> exactly. So. And it just takes away from what the actual story was, which yeah. is, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. versus Killian Murphy. That's yep. what the underlying plot was. But you had all this other kind of stuff thrown at the spider web, which took away from it. Yeah. yeah. But this whole, you know, did they murk her or didn't they murk her kind of leads into my favorite part of this movie, which is never trust the goddamn government. <laughs> they shut us down. Right. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like this is a little bit of a two prong thing, right? Because you have the kind of the creator, right? The scientist, the ones who create stuff throughout history who used the, I never knew it was going to be used for bad. Bullshit excuse. Yeah, I'm like, okay, open up a goddamn history book. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) go all the way back to BC. And some dude be like, I had no idea the wheel would be used as a weapon when they stuck it on a chariot. Yeah. Like, fuck, no, you did. You just wanted the funding. Oh, for sure. Um, And so, like, I mean, throughout the entire thing where he's like i you know there's this almost uh back and forth between the scientist crew where it's like will we or won't we you know they're they're making into a bomb how do we stop from being a bomb let's hurry up and finish our bomb yeah (laughs) going oh my goodness and it's this you know race back and forth between the our favorite apparently antagonist group of the year the national socialists um from the (laughs) third reich shit they're popping up everywhere, everywhere. But it's, you know, like this almost patriotic thing. Right. And 
based on the time period and everything, you know, if Oppenheimer doesn't take this job, how quick is it before he's accused of being a communist yeah. or a sympathizer or things like that? So there's pressure put on to him to, you know, step into this role as director of the Manhattan Project, which never should have done. Don't trust the government anywhere. And then being kind of upset or confused about, oh, why are you making this into a weapon? Yeah. Open up your goddamn eyes. Yeah. <laughs> never trust the government. No. They they never have anybody's best interest involved except for their own, which uh, never will align with uh, the people who put them in their position of power um, throughout the entire thing. And I was sitting there, I was going, this could all be solved real, real fucking quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cut off scientist funding from federal sources. <laughs> no shit. No shit. <sighs> I mean, I get it though, too. Like, I don't know. It's a tough situation for Oppenheimer because I'm with you. Don't trust the government. And it's stupid to think that the government was never going to use this as a weapon. And especially when at the beginning, the whole conversation between Oppenheimer and Josh Hartnett's character, uh, Lawrence, was like that was the first thing that they went to once the atom was split. That it's a bomb. It's a chain reaction. It's a bomb. Yeah. You're going to create a bomb, which means they're going to go. And I understand that when you think about it from that perspective, especially the way that Oppenheimer started based on the fact that he's Jewish, the war is actually going on. When they start, it's about the socialist nationalists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that connection with his Jewish heritage to the National Socialist. And so I understand why he started and then it shifts when the war is over. Cause that's the part that most people don't, they think that what ended quote, I'm giving some air quotes. If you're just listening, the world war two was the dropping of the nuclear bombs, which technically sure, but there was a lot of speculation around whether or not Japan would continue to fight in the war post so national socialists falling out of it and losing and surrendering. And if they're the only country left fighting it, I don't think they continue. I mean, I think they may have fought a little bit longer and I understand that soldiers have been involved, but now is where that balance of, Oh shit. Do I keep making this bomb? Cause do we really need it? Right. I don't know. That's a tough one, but the government wants it. So we keep doing it. And that's where the trust, you kind of got to go. Hmm. But he's already up Shit's Creek at that point. So exactly. And I did like the way that they presented it almost to the point of it's not really about Japan anymore. Right. Japan yeah. is our testing ground. We're fully focused on the Soviets. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was it was it's also going on like you have the scientist or the creator. Right. Who's going. It's all about the science of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Does it actually work? I have to know if it actually works. And at some point, you got to be like. Okay, you know, in your theory, it works, but there's that near zero chance <laughs> that you're going to set the atmosphere on Yeah, fire. <laughs> yeah. Like, is it worth it to kind of push forward and, you know, best result or best end result from a scientist's point of view is one, it works, and now it's going to be used as a weapon. Yeah. And you've, you know, fundamentally changed the way that the world is going to work and view this, right? Worst case scenario, you set the atmosphere on fire, uh, you know, or possible other best case scenario is it just never ends up working. Yeah, um, because they did get to that point where it's not completed, but we don't really need it anymore. And yeah. you see that kind of battle within the community where people are like, hey, we're signing this petition. We don't need it anymore. Uh, but, you know, poor Oppenheimer's like, you're the one who started this. Like it was your letter that let him know it could be used as an explosive. Mm-hmm. Like, thanks a bunch, jackass. Um, <laughs> but it comes back to stop trusting the government to do anything. <laughs> Especially do the right thing. Do the right thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because 100% they're not going to do it. No. Um, and then they're going to hang you out to dry, which is exactly what they did to Oppenheimer. Oh, for sure. Thanks for creating the, you know, mass destruction weapon we were hoping for. Uh, toodles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good luck. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know if Truman was that much of an asshole in real life. Uh, yeah. I don't know much, but you know, don't let that crybaby back in here. Oh, yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that's the other problem with biopics that I have though too is like how much misrepresentation is there? Because I'm sure there's a lot that's very accurate, especially about Oppenheimer himself and his family and his relationships and because there's been books and there's been firsthand accounts. We're not talking about historical shit that nobody's around anymore or there's no modern storytelling, right? Oppenheimer, I mean, this is stuff we have firsthand accounts all the time that you more or less can trust to a degree. But I, I feel like they made Truman this like prick that and Truman was a prick don't get me wrong I mean this is Truman we're talking about but I don't know like that felt like <laughs> don't let that cry be back in here like I can see the conversation being awkward in the in the oval office because like it's two competing opinions and ideas right and one's the leader of the free world and the other is this scientist that obviously has some regrets for what he just helped the country do but <laughs> just seems extreme. don't let the crybaby back in anymore and like i could see i could see the hanky bit right where he's like i feel i have a bunch of blood on my mans and he hands him a handkerchief like here use this like nobody remembers who built thing all they're gonna remember is who dropped it yeah like i could see that being almost word for word taken from you know recording but it was the don't let that crybaby back in i'm like yeah (laughs) was truman that much of a dick yeah. So I just Googled it and apparently the hanky thing did happen. Um, For real, for real. Like he did say, I feel like I have blood on my hands and he handed him the hanky, the handkerchief. But the crybaby thing. So didn't happen as he was leaving. What they said is it was his aides Mm. like the president's aides said that he used to describe Oppenheimer as the crybaby scientist. Okay. So they had to throw that in there based on that rumor that came out of the white house aides, but these, I mean, who knows? And I'm sure that there was some hinting and intimation because look, Truman was a, he was more or less a warmonger. If you really want to get down to it, he just came in at the end of a war instead. Yeah. Of the middle one, so. Um, but yeah, so I mean, this I mean, and it goes just one step deeper. Like, don't let the government tell you what to do. Yeah. Don't do it. Yep. Never it's ends well. Though. Never ends well. Nope. No. Nope. Going to kill you anyway. I did find that joke kind of funny with Matt Damon. Yeah. Where someone was trying to leave. Oh, we're, we'll just have him killed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you though? <laughs> like, You're not. Top secret stuff only says top stays top secret for so long if it gets out. Yeah. Right. And I was like, mm, I don't think you're really kidding all that much. No, I don't think you are either. Well, and I that was another piece of this whole thing that the story that it isn't a topic, but we just touch on real quick too was like the fact that Oppenheimer gets blamed for the fact that Russia all of a sudden has a bomb or. And all of a sudden this stuff leaks. Come on, man. Like they're not the only scientists working on this stuff. And even if someone like they had the British dude that was like, turns out to be the spy the whole time, but we still are going to impeach freaking Oppenheimer, but it's because he, he was dissenting. You know what I mean? It had nothing to do with the fact that nobody actually thought the man was a Russian spy or even a communist. They just didn't like the fact that he was dictating policy that didn't bolster their ability to use nuclear weapons the way they wanted to. Like, that's the part that I'm just like, that's where for me, like the government, I'm like, the government will always want to do the thing that's the worst. You know what I mean? Like, they don't give a shit about it's the reason that we don't have. Look, I'm not a socialist, but like nuclear power if done right and done carefully, if all the world's minds got together, there's no reason we have to fight over fucking grids anymore. You know what I mean? Like if we did it right, it has that ability. Hydrogen power also has the, I mean, it's just, what are we doing? You know what I mean? That it's, but they, they, like you said, 
the government doesn't want that because then they don't make money. And it all comes back to that money, money, money. Uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's it's I mean, the whole kind of cooperation thing probably never going to happen. Right. No, but you could still do it on a smaller scale. Sure. Sure. Yep. Um, and, you know, you have places in um, let's take United States, for instance, because I love to pick on our own government. Yeah. Places in the United States where it's worse than third world countries oh, or what we sure. would consider to be third world countries. But there's no reason to go in there other than to get votes every four years. Mm-hmm. So nothing ever gets fixed or changed. And in the 1940s, 30s, 40s, like you're coming out of the Great Depression mm-hmm. during this time where this, uh, you know, Manhattan Project is going on. There's a lot of resources in there that could have been used to a different purpose. I think the number that Matt Damon put on it was what, like $2 billion yeah. in 1930s, 1940s, 1940s yeah. currency. Yeah. Like that is a shit ton of resources <laughs> mm-hmm. that could be going to anywhere else. Yep. Um, Stupid. Yeah. So what we live in though, the, it goes to the bomb. <laughs> sure. Um, have you ever watched the movie in time? I don't think so. It's really bad. Actually. It's got uh, Justin Timberlake is one of the leads in it. But like the story itself is interesting. You should watch is it. Is this the one where they exchange time? Like yeah, and they have like the blocks okay. in their wrists yeah, or whatever. I have seen that. I saw I, that at school. It it's kind of a weird, <laughs> terrible ass movie when it comes to like the acting and stuff. But the premise around it is very interesting. Oh, it had Killian Murphy in it, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah but it, it, I, I always refer to that one when you talk about things like that, where there's like third world-esque areas of our country. And it's like, but they want that because that keeps the status quo, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if everybody had a million hours, like they talk about in that movie, the whole system collapses because nobody goes out and works and nobody does. It's a system. It's a, but nobody wants to hear that system. Please enjoy your stay. Yep. (laughs) Yep. All right. Before we get, uh, drown in a bathtub, let's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> move on to the next topic right. i keep looking over my shoulder just to make sure the door is still shut i just keep waiting for my fucking <laughs> t- computer to turn off again like it did last time we shit on the government for an hour yeah. um i have one more thing i want to talk about before we get into the last topic because the last topic i'm going to unload on this movie in the negative side of this whole thing because i've been pretty positive so far um out of you jj you've been exceptionally positive it's been very hard because this movie's a conundrum for me anyway so Robert Downey Jr., Killian Murphy, outrageous. And Matt Damon. Like, dude, if anybody had any doubts about Robert Downey Jr. being able to act outside of the Marvel Universe, fuck off. Watch this movie. And I've loved Robert Downey Jr. for a long time. He, I watched him because I'm old enough that I watched him when he, before he was hauled off to jail for drugs and prostitution. And then I watched him post that and then he got famous for Marvel and he got his career back on track, but the guy can act and he's been able to act for a long time. And this to me is like one of his greatest performances ever. Like when he's in that end going off on that dude and he's like, Oh dude, the last 20 minutes of this movie with Robert Downey Jr. And then Killian Murphy, the, the two sides of the coin, Robert Downey Jr.'s character just does not stop talking and he's raging and going off. Then you have Killian Murphy who's trying to defend himself, but do it in the right way. He's being quiet and thoughtful and he's only defending himself when it's absolutely necessary and kind of going a little nuts. That dichotomy of those two characters and how well it was pulled off. The acting in this movie is a testament to the cast and the ability for Christopher Nolan to get the amount of superstars and great actors into this, but I have to mention if I'd, I'd be remiss if we talk about this movie and I don't mention those two or three performances, cause God damn, it was good. And they'll probably win awards. Like they should. Yeah, they should. Absolutely. They should. It, if, if Killian Murphy doesn't win an Oscar for best actor and Robert Downey Jr. Doesn't at least get a nod for supporting. 
there's something wrong because this it was good those two were outrageously good and great on the opposite sides of that spectrum in this movie um okay i'm gonna shit on this thing for a minute yes so it kind of goes back to this three fucking hours this movie was too fucking long and the saddest part is it would have made two great movies in my opinion and i i think about it and i kind of toss it around it either would have made a really good not a phenomenal but a really good two and a half hour movie or if you'd made two hour and 45 minute ish movies and added a little bit to both sides and you could have done it in two parts where it's like oppenheimer the bomb years and then oppenheimer post bomb because i want to see more we rush through the post bomb years with oppenheimer we get like the trial piece but that's so focused on downey jr's character that I want more. I want to see more of the fact that he's running the government basically from a nuclear perspective and saying, here's what we should do. Here's what we shouldn't do. He's shitting all over people that are trying to get money and make an impact by saying, we don't need like, (laughs) you can make the bomb out of this and the bomb out of that. You don't need isotopes. So it was just really interesting to me. I want to see more of that. So I would have liked to see two movies and I know that doesn't do anything for anybody these days, but I think this movie or even like do because what I would love to see is if you're going to do this movie separate it a little more and then have like a an intermission. Tell me you got 15 minutes to go take a piss and refill your soda because I'm telling you no matter how good it was and then the movie was phenomenal. The acting was phenomenal. The storytelling was great. But three hours is too much. And I I've been thinking about it since watching this movie because there's not a ton of great three-hour movies. There's not a ton of three-hour movies out there. There's there's lots, but there's not a ton of great ones. And most of them are a little older. But I don't remember there ever being a three-hour movie that I was like, yep, that was worth three hours. Even Endgame was three hours. And I was like, it's too much. And I love Endgame. I thought it was, I thought all of those first phase of Marvels were really good. And Endgame was a great culmination, but it didn't need to be three hours because I felt all three hours. You know what I mean? And this movie was no different. Even like, even uh, you brought up Schindler's List. Amazing movie. One of the best movies ever made. It's too fucking long. Three hours is, it's just too long. And I feel like as I was watching this, the only thing that was good enough to keep for me to go, okay, I get why you didn't want to make two movies was to tie back to the conversation with Einstein that made Cross think that he had turned the science world against him, even though it was Krauss just being a fucking cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and a little bitch. But, like, you could still do that without that. I realize that's the linchpin is the we end the movie with their actual conversation as opposed to what he was wondering that they had said, but it's like, you could have done that anyway without a three hour movie. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer there is. I mean, the, the movie's going to win awards. It's a great movie. It's going to win awards. It's going to, it's a great storytelling. It's great filming. I just think that the downfall of this movie is the length and the fucking bloated Christopher Nolanisms that are throughout this movie. And it bothered me and it started to wear on me. By the time I was getting tired of being in the film was when I started to really notice, like, fuck, what a Christopher Nolan thing to do. Fuck, that was unnecessary. And then I started picking it apart because I'm like, let me out of this fucking movie. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. But I that's my problem with this movie. It, it, it hurts it a lot, in my opinion, is the line. Oh, yeah. Because it drags. Yeah. I agree. And I think I... Uh trying to, to re-echo what i said earlier like the first two hours and 15 minutes like up until we see the completion of the bomb and they leave los alamos mm-hmm. did not feel like it was sure. that length of time it was quick it was going it was the last 45 minutes yeah. and even that great scene like going the back and forth like you're moving up to climax i was ready to be done yeah <laughs> yeah and so it I, I i missed out probably on quite a bit just because I watched this, so the Sunday after I got back from mm. my trip, and so I was doing 14-hour days, 
mm. 14 to 16 hour days, Mm-mm. you know, flew black Saturday, Saturday night, racked out, woke up and pretty much all I did was go see this movie, you know, sitting at 7 p.m. at night for three hours. Like we didn't mm. get out of theater till you know, a little bit after 10. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, was kind of doing the same kind of torn thing. Like this was a great movie. I loved it. And I hated every second of yeah. it. <laughs> because, I mean, there's stuff that you could cut out. You could shorten that first initial, like the Los Alamos piece. Yeah. You, you can shorten that down a bit. You can cut here, cut there. So that by the time you hit the end, it's not dragging. Like two and a half hours, perfect length for this. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's hitting that three hour mark. Yeah. It's long. I think you're right too. I think you actually succinctly explained what pissed me off about this movie and why I'm so irritated by the three hour length. It's not that it's necessarily three hours. It's that when I start feeling the three hours is the best part of the movie. Yeah. Because and that sequence at the end. 45 minutes is dude, three hours. <laughs> seriously. Because after Los Alamos, when they get into that trial piece on the back and forth, like that's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. And I was tired of being in this movie for the best part of the movie and so i left going fuck that was so satisfying and so frustrating at the same time because if you're right if they leave they cut out a bunch of shit in the middle getting to los alamos building the bomb that becomes the center of the story the climax and then we have this crazy beautiful filmmaking at the end acting just storytelling it would have just been such a satisfying end. But by the time I got there, I was so sick of being in the movie and felt like, be done. we just, well, then it ends three times. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. Like when they cut, I want to know what the, what he actually said to Einstein. But by the time they show it, I'm like, fuck, hurry up. Talk faster, fucker. Cause I'm, I'm done. And, and it, yeah. So it gets in its own way. And that's, yeah, that's a Nolanism. Like it's, it's the, when these directors are like, I have to have this in there. No, you fucking don't. I know you think you do, but you don't. Or it's okay. You can have this. What are you going to get rid of so we can have it? Yeah, that's a good point too. That's that's like, something. Do we, as a, do we need this outside in the tent scene with Lawrence and uh, Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer's brother? No, yeah. that's um, fair. Because the only thing that that talks about is the you know the storm breaks in the yeah, and you know before dawn. Which comes back to play later, but this is Oppenheimer who grew up on this ranch in the summer or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, shit, you just need to add a fucking line of dialogue and you get the same point across. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's the same problem we have with Florence Pugh's character. It it could have been a five-minute sequence, five minutes of the overall movie, but instead it's 20, 25 minutes that interjects and is, yeah, I'm with you. And maybe so maybe it's not two movies. I just felt like I was watching two different movies. No, like two movies would be great because I was thinking along the intermission line the same thing. And what brought it out is we you know we just recently saw John Wick. Oh yeah, yeah. And I watched some interview where it talked about, oh yeah, we put in that fight sequence in the water so people could get up and like go use the restroom and um like go get a popcorn and drink refill because they're not missing anything. I was like, what the fuck? We'll blast that in big letters. Yeah. <laughs> have like a fuck, have like a fourth wall break where he's like, now's the time to go pee and get some popcorn because we're just going to fight. <laughs> right? Like nothing happened. <laughs> but there's no communication of that. So yeah. like intermission, put that up there. Oh, okay. Go take a quick break, stretch my legs. Now I'm coming back, do the same thing. Like theater productions do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. They have um, to. They have to for that reason. So long, you have to break it up. And even if you just flash that, I'm yeah. okay with it being longer. Yeah. So that I can get up. I know I got 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, go get a refill, go stretch my legs, use the restroom, whatever I got to do, and then come back and refresh and ready to go. And if you kick off, if you're able to, you know, kick it off like in Los Alamos, now we're kicking off the trial sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm fresh, ready to go for the best part of the movie. Thank you very much, Mr. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, yeah. I'm com- well, like I've done movie like the where they binge movies in the theaters. Like when Star Wars episode seven came out, when 
yeah the force awakens they did the come watch all seven movies well you better goddamn believe i fucking did that shit but you get to stop in between each movie and you get to like they have a big two-hour break between episode six and episode seven where i go so it's i mean i spent almost 24 hours in a fucking theater but i had breaks and so it was manageable yeah fuck three hours is a lot dude and it it needs a break i'm with you if you're gonna do a three-hour movie fine give me a 10-minute break mm-hmm. and make it an obvious break yeah now, oh yeah no, we i put mean in shut this- the fucker off like <laughs> stop pause get up take a piss stretch your fucking legs you still have an hour and a half left. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the time to take a break, not, oh, yeah, we put in this fight sequence that really doesn't do anything because this is the time to go up and, you know, yeah. refill your soda or whatever. I was like, oh, geez, thanks for the heads up, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> oh, it's hurtful. All right. Let's rate this thing. Let's do it. I'm going to go first. Get it out of the way. Um, okay. Look, like I said, this movie's going to win awards. It's going to be talked about for a long time. Um, because it's a little different in the, the the size and scope of the cast, the size and scope of the story, the amount of just phenomenal acting that did happen in it. It was great. I was bought in. I was like, it was intriguing. It was visually stunning. It was, even though some of the sound shit pissed me off, it pissed me off at the end of the movie when I was already done being in the theater. That's when it started to bother me. It's a well-made movie. Christopher Nolan has knocked it out of the park. It does get in its own way, though, at the three-hour time limit. It just does. It's too fucking long. It's bloated. It is a wonderful story that just didn't need that much time involved to tell the story and tell it effectively. I'm with you. It could have been two two and a half hours, two and a half hours and 40 minutes, and it would have been a better movie. It might have been – I might be giving it a five if it had done that. As opposed, the that three-hour mark – and the fact that there was a bunch of things that were just felt like bloat because Nolan's like, I'm Nolan and I'm going to put a three hours worth of fucking film in there. That's what that feels like. So it pisses me off. So I'm going to give it a four, but it's a phenomenal movie. It just feels like it didn't need to be what it is to be able to be effective and good. So four for me, I will only watch it now because I'm curious about my theory, the theory on, whether anyone that I don't recognize at all has a line in the movie. All right. Doc. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to echo quite a bit of what you said too fucking long. Okay. <laughs> but I believe this is the best written movie that has been in theaters since COVID. As far as story goes, as far as spectacle goes phenomenally well-made. This is a movie that is going to like, you said win awards it's going to be around for a very long time i personally think it's going to be shown in high school classrooms when they're talking about the manhattan project mm-hmm. at least portions of it maybe the whole thing three hours is a long time to sit through but it's something that is going to be shown the same way that schindler's list is or mm-hmm. you know saving private ryan mm-hmm. uh, these movies are shown around this time period this is going to be one of them um i enjoyed it up until the last 45 minutes when I was sick and tired of sitting down and, you know, I was hungry. I was ready for dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of things that they that I think could have done to improve this film from cutting out Florence Pugh's character. Sorry, Florence Pugh. Amazing actress. Didn't need to be in here. No. Cutting out a lot of the little, you know, parts that kind of tied it all together, but weren't necessary things to do with the ranch and Los Alamos. Um, there's enough time in there to uh, get rid of the sequences and cut down the movie time. The sound stuff was annoying, but I almost have to wonder if a guy as brilliant as Oppenheimer was like autistic or Asperger's. Sure. And this was Christopher Nolan's way to show of how he was interpreting his world, which would be really cool. This Mm -hmm. kind of like oversensitive to certain things, hypersensitivity um, and how he's dealing with it which yeah. would be really cool. Uh, communicate that in a better way, because yeah. this is, if that's the case, because Christopher Nolan is known for being an actor or not an actor director that focuses on sound too much. Um, it's true. And so if that's the reason, 
great. If it's not and you're just being Christopher Nolan, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need that. That being said, I'm going to give it actually a four and a half. I'm going to go a bit higher uh, just because the story's great. What they're saying is phenomenal. And I think the cast is what brings this all together. We talked about it was top of our list of topics is this cast is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I will watch it again. I'll just rely on JJ to tell me if his theory's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a four and a half. This was a phenomenal movie. And in my opinion, one of the best to come out since COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Very good movie. I'm just being petty. My inner oh, that's petty. Fine. My inner Petty Murphy's coming out a little bit. I love it. Got my Petty Wop on. Um, <laughs> with all of that ridiculousness, Alec, tell everybody where they can find us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank gotcha. you for tuning into our review of Oppenheimer. Uh, this movie had it all. Explosions, drama, a great cast, and 45 minutes of drawn-out useless wrap-up for endings. <laughs> Fantastic. It made it uh, if you made it to this point in the video, which also was had explosions, drama, a great cast, me and JJ and 28 minutes of drawn out content. Go ahead and drop us a like or a comment and let us know if your verdict, ma- if our verdict, ma- our verdict matches with yours. Yes. Words are hard. Very. Uh, this wraps up our July recordings. And next month for August, we have a great lineup of guilty pleasure movies mm-hmm. selected by our wonderful patron, G- Chat Ginge PT. Chat Ginge PT. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> if you are a fan of the podcast and want to vote on our monthly releases or just have more control over the movies that we watch so we don't have to watch three hour long movies anymore, <laughs> Patreon mm-hmm. is the place to do that. With that, I will send it back to the Colossus of Clout, the King of Crash, a JJ. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah, we got some fun stuff coming. I'm excited. Uh, but yeah, with that, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinemagica.